And we're back for another episode of Athletic Insights. Athletic Insights is a resource for youth sports organizations, coaches, players, and parents to get a glimpse in behind the scenes of elite athletics and what it entails. We're joined here today by former CFL linebacker Ron O'Mara. Ron, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm great. I'm really uh, appreciative of your time. And like I said to you a minute ago, we're, we're really excited to finally be able to have you on and do this, this episode. Um, so for the young guys listening at home, uh, young guys and girls, I should say, uh, Ron, me and Ron got to meet each other in Nova Scotia at St. Francis Xavier. Um, so Ron, why don't you take a minute here to introduce yourself and then, uh, we can get into the, the football and the St. FX moving forward. Yeah, for sure. So, um, my name's Ron, I grew up in the Ottawa community where I spent, um, um, all my time playing sports, uh, especially football, um, and basketball in, in specifics. Um, and then from there, um, got uh, uh, recruited to play at St. Francis uh, Xavier University and decided to go out there out east, played four years, and was fortunate enough to uh, get drafted and play a couple years in the CFL. And uh, now I'm back in the in the homeland of Ottawa <laughs> in the community. You know, I always got to go back to the roots. So, um, But, yeah, it's a little bit about myself, I guess, athletic-wise. And, and uh, I agree with you. It's very important to go back to, you know, where you came from and, and, and get to share what you've learned, right? Especially with the, the football. Um, sure. But let's take a second and let's go over your youth sports experience. So uh, mm-hmm. you had said you were playing basketball and football growing up, but what did it look like in terms of like a day-to-day? Were you, when did you start training? What did basketball, you know, do for you as a linebacker? That sort of stuff. Yeah, so um... – you know, I was fortunate to have, you know, parents who were very invested in our athletic careers. And, you know, I was put into actually soccer first when I was about five years old. That was a good sport to just run around and uh, play, you know, just like be athletic, right? You run around, go kick some soccer balls. It's good conditioning. And then I got put into some basketball. So that's like a lot of coordination. I mean, every sport has coordination, but basketball, I mean, you have to dribble. You got to learn how to, you know, two-step layup, you know, shoot play defense. There's a lot of uh, really good uh, complementary skills that, that uh, the sport of basketball offers for a lot of uh, young athletes who may not know what kind of sport they want to go into. And um, as I got older, I just kind of stuck with basketball uh, specifically and then got into football a little bit later when I was 14. Uh, it definitely helped build my athleticism in terms of jumping, uh, moving, agility, and, and uh, et cetera. So um, they were definitely complementary. And you and you had just mentioned, so you didn't play any football until you were fourteen. Yeah, until I was fourteen. Yeah, since very I was cool. So yeah, that's similar to me. I started in grade ten, so fifteen. So okay. two questions: Why yeah. did you start playing football? Like, you know, where did that come from? And then yeah. when did you realize, okay, this is where I should be putting my time and energy? Um, I've always, even when I was a younger kid, I always uh, enjoyed the game of football because we'd always play tackle at like lunch in school. I always watched the CFL and the NFL growing up. Um, but my parents at the time, we weren't really aware of the resources. And football was a bit more on the expensive side. Uh, basketball and community basketball, anyways, and community soccer were a lot more on the cheaper side. So that's what I grew up playing uh, mostly. And then when I hit uh, 14, um, there was an opportunity to play some football um, here in Ottawa in the east side with the uh, North Gloucester Giants. And my dad basically made me choose between football at the time or soccer. 
and I ended up playing football in the fall and just playing basketball with the school in the in the winter time. So it ended up working out in the end. Yeah, well, for sure. So was there is there a, like a passion there or a love for the game, or was it just kind of it just came to you and and you stuck with it? Yeah. So I mean, it was one of those things I'll never forget. The very first time I, you know stepped on the football field and had my first game. It was like, I, it's this uh, feeling I can't really explain. Like right away I knew this was a special sport and it was something that I was going to really enjoy. And once I started, I never stopped. It was consistent all the way through until, until I of course retired. So, you know, it, it, it was something I knew that I would hopefully, you know, play for some time, at least to the university um, a scene, and I ended up fortunately being able to play a little bit after as well. Um, but it was just, it was a different feeling compared to basketball. Basketball was super fun for me. Um, you know, the tournaments were awesome. The game is fun, but there was something about that football field, the equipment, the way the game you know was constructed, and the chess match of it all, and everything about it that really really made me uh, more attached to it. So I'll never forget it. That's for sure. Football has been a big part of my life for sure. What was your earliest memory? You had just said there that you stepped on the field at 14 and kind of, you know, fell in love with the game. But did you have like an early memory that kind of stands out to you? Yep. Earliest memory actually was uh, against the Canada Knights at the Kent Steel Park. Um, we lost that game and we ended up meeting them in the uh, championship that later on that year. But I had an interception that game. But while I had the interception, I actually broke my hand. But Oof. I'll never forget uh, just – just being able to tackle someone, that feeling, it's just different. You know, it's, you know, tackle someone properly, drop back into a zone and have an opportunity to, you know, deflect the football or intercept it, you know, and the whole team environment and the special teams and the transitioning to teams. It's all just so, it was just so fascinating to me at 14 years old. You know, everything was just so new and fresh and I was just taking everything in. And uh, once, you know, you, you get a bit of more experience and you start, playing more competitively it became even that much more exhilarating so that's yeah kind of what the beginning was like for sure and to add to your point um there's an athlete who just started with our sevens program and he's got a basketball background so he's super quick this is a guy like a real four or five guy you know what i mean wow. um and he was just saying to me last night that the reason he's stepping away from fo- uh, basketball into football is, is intensity like he's looking for a sport now that has a little bit more intensity um yeah. So that kind of, you know, co-signs on your well, point there. Go yeah, ahead. and I feel, I feel like football, too, it was a way to kind of – I was always like a, a naturally a bit aggressive kind of kid, you know, always was wrestling and stuff. And football allowed you to really hone into your skills, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it's an aggressive sport, you know. It's a place where you could actually make the most out of your athletic skills, right? Yeah. There's jumping and everything. And basketball and other sports, of course, have the exact same thing. But, you know, football definitely, ha- you know, also has a wide array of – athletic ability that you could utilize that you won't be able to utilize much outside of it. So that was a good part of it as well. For sure. That was a great point. Um, Okay. So that's your youth sports experience makes sense. I think it's important for the young listeners at home just to take away that he was playing more than one sport, right? He wasn't playing football from four years old to 25, right? He had some variety in there, which is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, so now when did you realize, or maybe you were being contacted by schools, but was there a point in your development towards the end of high school when you realized that you were going to go to the next level? Um, so I went to school on the Quebec side in the Gatineau side. So there's the Ottawa Gatineau region. And so there's the border, 
um, that we share with Ottawa and Quebec or Ontario and Quebec, I guess you could say. Um, and so I graduated in grade 11. So at that point, there was not that much recruiting. But after I graduated, I played uh, junior varsity where a lot of the scouts started to come in. And that's when I started to get recruited more, which was all super new to me because, you know, in that time, I wasn't thinking like nowadays the landscape is different. You know, there's lots of resources and um, a, a lots of connections to be able to to know, you know, to get recruited and to know how you could deal with that, you know, as a young young uh, youth. But for me back then, it was more so just fun in the moment. Like, I love this game. This is great to play. And I wasn't really thinking past that too much because no one was in my ear telling me, you know, hey, you should go here or go there until I was like super older. And right. To get a lot more, you know, looks. And it was it was definitely overwhelming a bit at some points because it was like, how do you choose, right? Um, so... So did did you do CJEP or no? Yeah, I went to CJEP, but there was no football there. So, like, again, this goes back to the whole um, narrative of connections and resources. So I played at Darcy McGee High School, and I remember my principal, who was our head coach, told me, you know, Ron, I think you should play some CJEP. You know, you're a pretty good ball player. You should go play some CJEP. And at the time, again, I'm a young kid just living in the moment, you know, right. not really thinking past graduation in terms of, like, what my football career will be. You know, I was just more so focused. I'm going to graduate. I'll play some football. We might win some games. We might win some championships. Let's go from there. And I remember him saying that and being like, okay, cool. But no one was really talking to me at that time. So I couldn't really be forced to go out of my way to look into it at the time. So I ended up playing some local ball again. And that brought me to the Ottawa Sooners. And that was when, especially when I hit the Sooners, was where everything sort of clicked because I had coaches who – really taught me a lot about like what it's like to play in the next level in terms of the university scene, the the professional scene. And that's when things start to get more serious on my end in terms of my mindset and what I wanted. So as the attention started to come, you started to like that, that was the route for you that made it. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it started with JV, a couple of recruits. So I knew, okay, I, I got people looking at me. That's good. But I didn't know how to choose, right, or where mm-hmm. to go. I was still very young and in my own mindset. So and that's another thing that, you know, in terms of advice I already give is like, you know, you never know when you're ready, but it's good to prepare yourself early for sure because then it'll save that sort of confusion sometimes. Yeah, no surprises. Yeah. So as you were – navigating so you're playing Sooners uh, the Ottawa Sooners in the CJFL and yep. you're, you're starting to get emails from coaches and you're not really sure how to handle the process so how did you and your family start navigating that yeah so one of the biggest things that even my dad told me uh was you know there's some schools of course that that reached out to me that I wasn't really interested in at all okay and you know I didn't want to be like I mean I didn't want to be rude but I also didn't really want to speak to them and my dad told me like how do you know that's the school that you're not going to go to and I said well it's because I don't want to go but he's like but how do you know that for sure you know and in the end it was definitely um, something that I learned because all the schools that I was getting recruited by I made sure to keep in contact with I made sure to to listen to and be open to because in the, at the end of the day you never know exactly where you're going to end up literally Yep. You might go to one university one year and you might transfer. And the next thing you know, it's like, oh, I probably should have went there. They still had some good stuff. Yep. Right. 
And so it's important to make sure that you're treating everybody, obviously, with respect and that you're valuing their time because it's a blessing to be able to have another school want you, right? Regardless yeah. of what the record is, regardless of, you know, where they stand in, in the national landscape of football, it's very important to make sure that you uh, create those good relationships. And it also shows a lot about your character, right? And being able to be professional at a very young age. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like, just to take that one step further, um, you never know that coach that you brush off. Like, he could be exactly. your boss in 10 years. He could get, yep. a, new, he could get a new job. He yep. could, maybe he's at a program in Canada that doesn't have a lot of respect. He could have a D1 job in five years. You know what I mean? So, um, really good point. And just to continue on the recruiting here, and then we'll, we'll switch gears. You ended up playing your four years at St. Francis Xavier in the right. AUS down, uh, down east. So, yeah. how did you make that final decision? And then let's just talk about your first training camp and the growth you experienced years one to four. Yeah, for sure. So, I was, you know, getting recruited to, Know, quite a few uh, universities in Canada coming from the Ottawa Gatineau region, which is obviously a bigger landscape in terms of being a city. Um, I was distracted at the time. There was a lot going on and I wanted to challenge myself. And I said, you know what, I need to go somewhere that'll shock my system. And so I started to, you know, see all these smaller schools and St. Effects was a school that was recruiting me um, throughout the beginning of Sooners. And I had some coaches who went there as well. So they gave me a lot of insight into the school and the rich tradition. And Enoch Mwamba was there at the time. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so I got to go out there on the recruiting trip and, and meet Enoch and see the, the hard work that a lot of the uh, student athletes uh, were portraying there. And as well as the rich history of the school. And it was like a gut feeling. You know, I really, that's one like big thing. It's like, you got to listen to your gut. And we don't know. No one knows what that's like. Only you know it. But something in me when I went to that school kept being like, you know, I think we should go here. And in the end, you know, it ended up working out. So that's what kind of brought me to St. Effects and play my four years there. And um, uh, when I got there for my first training camp experience, uh, the, I knew then as soon as I got there, I was ready for my next goal. And that was to, of course, you know, go in, earn my starting position and then create opportunities for myself to, potentially go east-west, which is the all-star selection of uh, the Canadian players, and then give myself my best uh, opportunity to potentially play in the CFL. Um, so right away, I was messaging the defensive coordinator, who was also the linebacker coach at the time, John Svek, and as well as Coach Waterman, the head coach, just like, you know, hey, can I get a copy of the playbook? And so I got an early copy of the playbook and was just sort of just asking away all these questions because – of course, the jump from, you know, CJFL to the university scene is different, both mentally and physically. So I had to, of course, be in the gym and, you know, complement, you know, my football and with my athletic ability by training hard and as well as making sure that I was good with the playbook uh, to give myself the best uh, opportunity to to help the team and and, you know, to challenge myself come training camp. What's your personal opinion on the CJFL in terms of, it being a stepping stone for U sports. Oh, it's, it's huge. Uh, honestly, like, so, and I was saying this before at another podcast, it's like when you're younger and now the game's been changing, but I was, you know, fortunate to play and play against a lot of very athletic players. So when you're younger, you're developing so much physically and mentally as well. But the more you get, of course, like uh, competitive in football, the, the higher, the football IQ becomes in terms of what's expected of you 
uh, to understand how the game works defensively and offensively. And that was a uh, – so I got to play Team Canada, and that was a waking waking up moment for me because they had university coaches basically implement university systems. Mm-hmm. And it was so new to me. So even though I was, like, athletically gifted, I was still learning the game, and that could pause you a little bit. So I remember it was a humbling experience during that time to really learn, and I got to soak up a lot of information. And Sooners really complimented that part because they had university coaches as well. And so I was able to learn off that. So by the time I got to university, um, I was ready mentally for the game of football, uh, just as well as physically, because both go hand in hand. And I would even argue that the mental side is, is going to be the difference maker for a lot of people. Yeah, I think that's the, the main difference maker between good versus great. Yep. Uh, like I was going to bring that up later, but we can go over that now if you want. Like, What do you think separates um, – good versus great at the, you know, the high school, the CJFL, the Juke, like the CJEP level. And then, you know, at the, you, you got to play in the CFL. So you really got a, a taste of like great. So what did you see that was separating the guys? Uh, what separates you is what you do when nobody's watching. You know, mm. I mean, everybody, when you get to university or high school, you might have mandatory, you know, workout sessions that everybody has to go to, but you know what your weaknesses are. You know how bad you want something. And what are you doing on your spare time in terms of the work you need to, to get better in, right? So uh, for me, it was like I need to, you know, work on my, my speed. I don't want to be as fast as I can. So I would complement that by doing track twice a week, you know, on top of my uh, lifting. Um, and then on my own time, I would, you know, do some of my own linebacker drills or do my own pass rush just so that I know that I'm trying to be the best that I can be uh, physically. And that's also a practice for mental uh, ability because one of the things for me was I didn't have to uh, rely on my friend or anybody else to be like, hey, Ron, you want to do this? Or if they canceled, like, I'm not going, like, we're doing this together. Mm-hmm. It was more so I was very independent to being like, regardless who shows up or where I go, I know I'm going to train by myself and get the best out of myself, even when I'm by myself, because that's all mental training. and. Mm-hmm. Again, the football, uh, the fo- the game of football is is a very mental game, and you know it's good to watch film, like you know, especially when you get to university, watch extra film, watch yourself, watch other teams, watch other schemes, and visualize yourself, you know, performing in those moments because that translates also to game day, and if you get opportunities to get into training camp, whether it's university or in the pros, uh, that'll go a long way as well. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. I think it I think it comes down to mindset and you had mentioned like you know, competing versus yourself. So, you know, maybe your training partner doesn't show up, well you still have to get the work in and you still exactly. need to you still need to push yourself to that that heightened state where you have that environment where you're you're not just going through the motions. Um, yeah. you know, just for example, we had we had some we had some pretty bad rain last Sunday, so I can't be too harsh on them. But, yeah. you know, five kids don't show up. You know what I mean? Yep. So it really shows me, okay, these are the 14 that really love football. Yep. Maybe those five are just here to socialize. So, um, yeah. you know, for the young athletes listening, like your coaches are looking at everything from your body, oh, yeah. from your body language to, do you show up five minutes early or are you there 20 minutes early doing, yep. you know, an individualized activation? Like these things really do matter. Um, yep. So yeah, we're on the same page there. Yep. What, what, what was your habits, right? Go ahead, sorry. So I was going to say that they're also habits 
because, mm-hmm. you know, like everything you do, if you create, I always say the best predictor of future behavior is your past behavior. And meaning that if you're consistently working on yourself and always, you know, uh, consistent with your training, consistent with your mental preparation, that you'll continue to do that over time. But if, and that starts young, if you don't start mm-hmm. it young, you know, sometimes it's hard for people when they get to that university landscape because then they realize, ah, oh, I should have probably put a bit more extra work here. Um, and then maybe they're mentally not strong enough to, to stay within, you know, the university uh, lens or, or maybe they just give up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it starts young for sure. And even if it doesn't, you know, always surround yourself with people that are going to push you, you know, so that you can get to where you need to be and not allow you to make those decisions for yourself too. 100%. What do you think we need to do in terms of preparing young athletes? Like we can talk about football players specifically, but preparing young athletes for the next level and even beyond. Like I'm as a athletic development coach who works mainly with youth, I have to find that balance between, you know, this kid's 16 years old and he doesn't yeah. know he doesn't know this yet, but he could play in the CFL. Yep. So I, I'm, I'm constantly navigating like very unique situations. So when, when we're preparing these athletes, you know, what do you think needs to be done better so that then when they get to the next step being, you know, university for now, and hopefully they go past that. Like, what do you think we need to do better for the men- mindset? Because what I'm finding is, and I don't want to blame it on the parents or this and that, <laughs> but there, there is a, so- a little bit more of a softness, which is right. fine because I know it coming from a good place. We're coming from a player safety standpoint. Um, but you know, at a certain point, the parents do have to let the coaches be coaches. Right. Correct. So, right. So what do you think we can do as, you know, you know, role models? And I'm sure you'll do some coaching in the future um, to get those kids' minds right. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you're doing a great job, Zach. Um, uh, I actually coach. I took on some coaching a little bit um, uh, last year. And even now I coach my old team, the North Boston Giants. And that was a whole different transition because, you're right. It's like the key question is like, what can we do to make sure and prepare them? Number one is, is that um, if we're there as coaches or if we're there to as role models, you can never force someone's hand to, to do something they don't want to do. At the end of the day, if, if someone wants it bad enough, they'll listen or at some point it's going to click. You mm-hmm. can never really force it. I realize that because the minute you do, some people either resent it or it just goes, it goes a different, a different way sometimes. So, uh, another thing is to just continue to be consistent. Um, you know, I practice uh, in terms of the expectations. You know, I'll challenge, like, some of uh, my youth a little bit. Like, if I see them slacking off, you know, give them a little bit of a pep talk, you know, in terms of what that looks like. Because, you know, as someone who's been there before and been in their shoes, you know, and, and as well as yourself, we could offer that expertise that they're in. Uh, something that they're not able to see uh, for themselves maybe five years from now. Um, so... And I remember one thing, too, when I was, like, young, one of the things that was really important for me that made me really, you know, enjoy sports were also my role models, the coaches. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I can look at what they've done to get me to where I'm I'm at right or where I got to be able to go to um, was the fact that although it was also football, they also taught me life skills. Yeah. Like discipline, hard work, commitment. Like, I mean – Back then, I mean, going up, you had to go to practice. If you didn't come to practice, it was very disrespectful. And I notice nowadays sometimes showing up to practice and is a little bit more optional. Yeah. 
to me, that's a big indicator of, of you know how 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 much you really want something. Right? It just it, the, yeah uh, yeah. I, I want to just jump in and let you go. It just it just what I find is when when that's happening, you're just saying whether it's you or your parents or a combination, you're just saying that your time is more valuable than the team's time, and that's not okay. Right, and um, yeah, and you know it could be very everything that they make, every decision they make is selfish, right? To go up to go to practice regardless is selfish. To to mm-hmm. not go is selfish. But there's context to it. Right. There's always context to it. If you don't show up to practice, yes, you're right. You're, you're telling everybody else that maybe I'm not that serious, you know. And, of course, people miss because things happen and life happens. Right. There's a very common trend with people who go to practice that you can't deny on a consistent basis and then people who do not. Uh, and that's part of it. Showing up is the first part. And then when you show up, what are you doing? Right. Some people like to go through the motions. Some people... Uh, like to, you know, they just think it's fun to them. But like to me, when I was young, practice was the time to get better. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're young, the ceiling is so high. You're going to continue to learn even in university, right? You're continuing to learn. So why not get better in practice, right? Are you soaking in the knowledge that the coaches are saying? Are you really applying that in the practices and then also in the games, right? Do you go home, right, after you learn practice, whether it's you learn um, – a certain scheme or if you learn a certain uh, drill, if are you going over it at home on your own time, you know, it goes back to what you're doing when nobody's watching as well. You know? Yeah. That's a great point. Like the, the, it's not just about showing up, doing the bare minimum. It's the retention. Like, are you actually learning and then trying to apply these? And and it's gotta be more than like an hour a week of, okay, I'm at practice. I'm going to try to do this one thing yeah. that, you know, coach Ron showed me last week. Like you got to go home and just walk through it at yep. 5% speed in your living room or in your basement or wherever you have space. And exactly. you have to visualize it, learn to do it slowly Correct. and choppy. And then you can do it full speed autonomically when you've practiced it a hundred thousand times. Yep. And you hit that on the head. Like, uh, you know, it, it's, um, hundred percent, you know, you got to start small to go big. You know, a lot of people, you know, they'll go, I want to play, let's say in the NFL, but there's a lot that happens before that, before you get there, you got to start somewhere. And I always tell people, you know, like write down some goals, realistic goals, right? Really be honest about what, what the areas that you need to work in. And if those are the areas you need to work in, then let's work at it. Right. And how do you work on that on your own, on your own time as well? How do you visualize? I think that's a big part of it. Visualization is a big thing. And then I think is really important too, because when you can see yourself doing something time and time again, or if you're seeing something that your opponent's doing on the field time and time again, that you're ready for, it's going to translate onto the football field. Mm -hmm. And another thing I always say to the kids is like your first year of university, like you're just, you're going to make so many mistakes, just kind of accept that now. So that yep. you're not beating yourself up for the whole year, but you can take that constructive criticism via film. Um, yep. But let's, uh, I want to just move on quickly because uh, we could just yep. honestly keep talking about yep. mindset and work ethic forever. But for sure. um, do you have a specific, any beliefs or a philosophy with respect to your training? Because, um, you know, I've, you know, I've played at X and I played at Bishop. So I've been around, you know, yeah. almost, almost 200 guys. Yeah. Um, and your work, uh, your work ethic and your intensity in the gym is, you know, up there with the, the best of them. So um, is there anything that you, you know, do differently or a way you approach training? Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, 
I think it goes back to the. So I'll give you a quick uh, rundown. So my cousin uh, Suleiman Samlou, he played at Acadia at DB. He was actually the big reason why I upped my work ethic to where I needed to be. Um, I remember one time because you know I was playing football, I was pretty good at it, and then I never really went to the gym or anything like that. And he went to Champlain, so they had already built this like work ethic that like was enforced in them by the coaches. And he came one summer and he's like, "Hey Ron, let's go to the gym." And I said, all right, cool. And I went to the gym and got my butt kicked. (laughs) And he was like, I mean, he's a DB. So you're talking about like 170 pounds. And I'm at the time probably like 230, 225. Yeah, big boy. And I mean, I was dying at the gym. And I remember just looking at him being like, how? And he was like, just telling me like, you know, Ron, come on, man. You have to have this in your head. You think it's easy? Like when you go to university, if you can't do this, like you'll never be on the field. And I remember that was the first time it clicked, like, man, like, what am I doing? Like, do I really want this? Like, I say I want to play, you know, in the university. I say I'm ready for it. But if, I, if I'm not putting in the work behind the scenes, if I'm not doing the things that I need to do when nobody's watching, how am I going to be that guy? And ever since then, I learned the one thing is that, you know, you should never, ever have anyone text you, hey, Reminder, tomorrow's a workout. You need to do that on your own. Get there on time. You know, no one should tell you when to work out or when you should. Create a plan. Um, I learned throughout working out that hard work is not quantity. It's quality. Right. You know, what, what kind of work ethic are you putting into an hour session instead of a two-hour session? You know, let's be realistic about that, right? What are you doing? Are you working on your weaknesses? That's another thing that I think is a big mental factor. We always want to work on our strengths because it's easy and it feels good. But when we work on the weaknesses, it's a bit mentally, you know, annoying sometimes because it's like, oh, I got to get better at this. But those are just as important. Mm -hmm. So I guess like a big philosophy there is just to, of course, number one, have it in your mindset already that you're going to get up and do what you need to do, whether it's in the football field or in the film room without anybody telling you otherwise. And number two, train with quality and not quantity. Uh, it's very important to make sure that you're taking care of your body and taking care of your body is working out as well. Yeah. Like doing it in a way that is, you know, professional in terms of seeking guidance from other accredited uh, trainers, you know? Um, Absolutely. And um, things of that nature. Yeah, no, I think that's another great point because one of the things that I really started to fine tune my year at St. FX was quality over quantity. Yep. Um, you know, when I was 17, 18, 19, honestly, probably up till I was 22, 23, I was the type of guy who could work out like literally two hours a day and be oh, fine. I, I would, I would I recover. I would grow. <laughs> I would get stronger. It was up, 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 up all the time. Like that's just the way it was. And then, right. You know, I was 23. So it was also when I was kind of transitioning out of football. Um, but now I'm really like, okay, like this is an imbalance I have. These are my weaknesses. I'm not doing the two hours anymore. I'm doing like that hour, hour 15 of like, you know, 20 minutes, warm up, activate, like get things moving that need to be moving. Um, So I I think that's a really good point for the kids. Like you might be able to get away with that overtraining. um, But when I talk to you guys about workload management, like management, sorry, workload management, it's important that you guys, you got to look at it both acutely and chronically. So I was overtraining for five years. Yeah. That, that still is going to have an effect on me today. Maybe yeah. not today because it's been two or three years, but it was affecting me even last year. 
You know, yeah. my bot, my bones were sore. My muscles were always sore. Yeah. Um, and now it's mixing in the yoga, the massages, the stretching, yep. you know what I mean? So it, it's, it is really about finding that holistic routine that works, not just yeah. while you're playing sports, but when you're done, because when you take the sport away, I don't think too much from your lifestyle should change. Like maybe you're not practicing watching film and playing football anymore, but that doesn't mean you stop exercising and you stop like holding yourself to a, this standard and, you know, eating properly and having friends that are on the same path as you, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's switch gears here. I really want to go into your, your East West experience and then your yeah. last year heading into the combine in the CFL draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, in my third year, I was fortunate to be selected to go to the East West bowl, um, which was the all-stars of, I guess, everybody in the nation in Canada. And of course, CFL scouts were there to analyze all the, all the prospects. And it was your opportunity to kind of showcase your skills, and um, that was uh, very interesting as well because it's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. Number one, you're preparing, of course, for the East-West Bowl because uh, there's obviously a combine there and, you know, there's practices where you're doing skelly and inside run and one-on-ones and stuff like that. So you're getting ready for, for that. Um, so that was a big mental thing in terms of, like, man, I wonder how all these other guys are going to be and everything like that. And I was able to train alongside of with Ash and Dixon at the time. God bless that guy. And um, Randy Roseway. So we were preparing for the East-West Bowl together. And that was, that was really good because we all kind of pushed ourselves and knew that, you know, we were going to be able to shine when we got there. And so when we got there, you know, obviously different positions. Ashton's a running back. I'm a linebacker. Uh, Roseway's a receiver. So we kind of dispersed into our own, you know, positional groups. But the mindsets that we had in terms of what we built together, training um, and investing into um, what we were able to bring to the East West Bowl definitely paid off. And yeah, and, and Roseway is probably the quickest dude I've ever seen in person to this day. He's, fast. He's a fast guy, man. Really he is fast. fast, but his quickness is also yeah. like his first three steps, his top speed. Yeah. Phenomenal, but I think his yeah. first three steps is what really makes him special. Oh, yeah. He's got, he's a very explosive, uh, little receiver i wouldn't even call him little man he was getting almost d's there in his last year he's yeah, like you fuck 80. there were some times where he stood up i was like man you're looking at least 511 today <laughs> <laughs> yeah very very good receiver someone yeah, i was lucky very... enough to uh watch watch for a year and yeah. um yeah anyways um so yeah so you went through the combine the, the east west the, the cfl combine you get drafted and now you're you know you're in the cfl so what was that jump like and let's just talk a little bit about your career as well. Yeah, so um, going into my fourth year, that was my draft year. Um, got selected to go to the CFL National Combine, uh, which was good. And that was the year where I met, made the biggest sacrifice. And that's another thing I wanted to add on in terms of, you know, when you want something, sometimes you, you have to sacrifice something. And it could be anything, little, small, you know. And the sacrifice I made was – instead of participating in St. Effects University and training there and obviously, you know, spending time with my friends in the last semester, I went out by myself to uh, Florida to train at Bomberito Performance Systems just because I knew that the facilities that we had at the time were just not sufficient enough to, mm-hmm. to get me to where I know I needed to be. And I knew, like, at the time, like, once the season ended after my fourth year and I started training there, I just felt that I just wasn't getting what I needed there. 
And especially once the winter was coming, I knew it was going to be very difficult to train, like, especially for, like, field stuff. Right. So I wrote a letter to all my pros at the time. I think I had, like, three, four courses. So I did one online. I had four left to go. And I just wrote them telling them about how much this means to me. And if we could work something out and I'll do anything, essentially, like, hey, I'll, like, can we work something out, you know, academically to make this work? Luckily, I was blessed with some awesome professors. Shout out to all of you. <laughs> um, they worked with me and it wasn't easy so I went out to Florida I had to be up at about 5am 4.45am every day because I had to bus to the facility and was there till about 3 o'clock and the, the props didn't they, didn't they didn't let me off the hook every week I had to submit uh, like summaries of every, everything that I've read I had essays I had to do assignments so while I was on the bus I would be like reading up on the material or working on some schoolwork just so that I could get to bed a bit earlier and then do it again the next day. Um, and that hard work ended up paying off in the end. And I was very well prepared for the CFL and as well as some NFL opportunities to open up a little bit during that time too because of all that hard work, which I was fortunate of uh, um, being a part of. And it led me to being drafted into the CFL to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So I spent there, uh, well, first I was at the New York Giants minicamp. And then I was drafted to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Was there for two years. Then as a free agent, signed with Ottawa for a year. And then as a free agent, again, signed with BC. And, you know, it, it goes by so fast. It was definitely – I learned a lot in the CFL. There's, you know, the game definitely jumps up everywhere, physically, mentally, and everything. And I learned a lot of new techniques that, that, I, that I never had before uh, and, and used those, of course, in, in, the, in the league of the CFL. But it was definitely a blessing to, to be a part of that. For sure. And what do you think that, like, just even as a person, like, what have you learned the most from your time as, you know, a football player? To have fun. Have fun. <laughs> you know, I think one of the biggest things that I did, I was so eager. You know, one of the biggest things, I had a chance of being in the Leadership Academy, and they were talking about, you know, leadership, and there was this different, like, dimensions and scales of leadership. And one of them was, like, you know, when you're when you're really good at where you are, you know, um, you have to be even keel. Like when you're too obsessed, sometimes that that could be negative sometimes. And I was like, oh, I think I hovered around that too obsessed, obsessed mm. you know, because I lost sight of like everything else around me, and, which, you know, sometimes and when you focus a lot on only one thing, it's good. But don't ever forsake everything else around you because things around you should also complement you. Um, yep. Whatever you're passionate about. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things is like, you know, when I was young playing football, you know, when you're having fun, you're, you're, you're at your very best. Competitive, non-competitive, when you're having fun, you're, you're confident. You're able mm -hmm. to go make those plays. You're able to deliver whatever you've trained, whatever you've learned onto the field. And that's one thing, you know, I've, I've learned is, you know, have fun with whatever you do, you know, especially when you get to the pros. It's now mm -hmm. a job. It's a business. And people, you know, it gets to people's minds sometimes because it's like, oh, am I going to get cut today? Oh, I messed up today. I'm probably going to lose my spot. In those moments, it's like, you know what? You're here. This is a blessing. Make the most out of it. Yeah. You can't yeah. control what happened in the, happens in the past. You can only control what happens after that. And that's, that's so tough. Like the trade-off of being like in the now and aware yeah, and not too obsessed with the the process, I guess, because I think just yeah. like you, like I, I wasn't on the edge, like I was obsessed. Yeah, if 
so I mean, what do you think the trade off is in terms of like if you're trying to be great, like the MJ, Kobe, like you're trying to be great at what you do. I mean, Kobe came out and said years ago, like, I cannot be a good friend while I'm in yeah. season because I'm too busy. Right. Yeah. Um, even like myself, like I have some, you know, I have some really high goals, really high standards for my company. There's, it comes back to sacrifices. Like I, you know, yep. I don't get to spend as much time with my friends that as I would want to, like, I'm, you know, my mind is elsewhere. So where do you think that balance comes from? Cause this could be a really key piece of uh, information for the younger athletes. Well, you know, and then you, you mentioned it, and it's, it's a tough question because when you look at guys like Kobe and MJ, like, yes, they sacrifice a lot. I mean, when I saw the last dance documentary and, you know, you saw how Michael Jordan treated his teammates and it's because he wanted the best out of them, but it was a bit controversial. Right. And it was all for the sake of winning. And he got to obviously win six MVPs, six finals, you know, and that's impressive, right? But even when you look at the documentary, when he looks back at those situations, he's crying, right? Mm -hmm. And that was a sacrifice that he had to make to get there. It's like, look, like I did those things because I, I knew it was going to get me to where, it, where I would be, but it still hurt me. Sometimes that sacrifice is a trade-off on yourself as well, not just on other people, right? right? Something that you're also giving up because you know that oh, I'm never going to get this one back or it might be perceived this way, but this is what I, I needed. And I think there's always a limit to how far you go. And I think Kobe and MJ never really crossed that, but they definitely <laughs> hovered between those. And in the end, you know, some of it was pretty tough, you know, to, to deal with sometimes, but, and that's what I say also by having fun, you know, if you're, if you're having fun out there, you know, you're going to also treat other people the way you'd want to be treated. Right. Like this game is, is important or football or whatever it is that anyone wants to do is, is very important to you, but it's not, it doesn't define you. Because one thing I learned is football is going to end at some point or basketball or whatever you're playing. It's going to end at some point. And then what do you have to show for after that? What else are you going to do with your life? You know, and maybe it's coaching, right? Maybe it's whatever the government or whatever it is that you studied. But that was also a hard transition for me because once it was done, it was like, uh, like I wanted, you know, it's weird. Yes, it's super weird. X amount of years straight, you're like, I put so much effort, sacrifice, and now, like, it's just, you know, that obsession is, like, it's still there, but it's, like, you're not playing anymore. But how do we reconcile the two? And I think it comes by understanding that, you know, whatever you do, does not, it doesn't define who you are. Right. Um, you're just blessed with that skill and ability to use your hard work and be good at whatever you do. But you're a person of many talents that, could, that you could use for other opportunities as well, which is also a good thing. Right, look at MJ. I mean, the man selling shoes. Yeah, you know, everybody, everyone these days are doing other things, which shows that in, in itself. Yeah, for sure. So, last two things for you here. I'd, I'd I'd love to you know get into your brain a little bit about what was your why when you were playing sports. Like, obviously, it probably changed now. Um, so, really, what was driving you internally, and then just like a take home message for the the next generation of athletes trying to get next level. Yeah, so uh, my why, I mean, I'm a very competitive person by nature. I've realized that at a very young age. So I, and when, I, when I paired my competitiveness with my passion, um, which was football, it, it really drove me to another dimension of like, oh, this is something I really want to do and something that I, I'm really going to be focused on. But my why ultimately was, you know, definitely my belief in God. It kept me, 
uh, grounded a lot of the times when I needed it, right? Because in, in my belief, you know, I feel like God blessed me with an ability to, you know, play football and do other things as well. But he blessed me with the talent that I wanted to take advantage of, but also use it as a platform to help other people. You know, um, I see the community, especially now that, you know, as a coach and even when I was younger, I always remembered the people, you know, the pros that came to our practices and talked to us and, and showed me a couple of things that meant a lot to me. And part of my why is also being able to, to do that for other people, whether it's through playing and them watching or through doing stuff like this um, or through coaching. And that was a big part of my why for sure. That's amazing. Very cool. Um, and then let's just take home. What's, what do you want the next generation of athletes to know? Um, just some tough love about maybe the process or, or anything you want to share? Yeah, you know, especially nowadays, honestly, I feel like, um, you know, there's easier access to, of course, play in prep schools down south and, of course, go down south. And I know a lot of youth are really aiming to go there. Um, and one thing I'm, I'm starting to see sometimes is some frustration when that doesn't happen or some self worth you know sort of evaluation when that doesn't happen and the reality is is trust me if you continue on the path that you need to be in it doesn't matter where you end up the only thing that you can do is control what you can't control and that's your work ethic that's your mentality and when you control that it doesn't matter where you're at you're going to get to where you need to be you know whatever school you're at whatever anything and if you apply yourself and you're and you're really passionate and you do what you need to do it's all, you, it's all you can do. Good things happen from that. Um, I've seen it all the time. You know, how, like there's many guys in the CF or the CIS or U Sports rather, you know, who have wanted to go down south and never got that opportunity, but they applied themselves and ended up even getting drafted to the NFL. You look at a guy like David Onyemata. Yeah. Doing an yep. absolutely tremendous job. Held his own pro day. You know, at Regina, right? Uh, Manitoba. Manitoba, yes, Manitoba. Yeah, you know, held his own pro day and now he's there. People are wondering, what is a guy in Canada doing there? He wasn't good enough to get drafted, to get, you know, signed earlier on to a college. It's not about where you start. You know, football is a long process and there's many ways you can get there. Some roads are definitely harder, but they also build your character, which is something no one can ever question or take away from you. I think that's a, a great way to end it. Uh, just guys, so much good advice for the young athletes listening at home. So this is a definitely an episode you guys should go back through and take some notes on. Uh, this was season three, episode three of athletic insights. Ron, thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to seeing you on Sunday. For sure, man. Thanks for having me, Zach. We'll do it again keep, soon. Keep doing all the good stuff. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. All right. We're out. All right, man.